We're going to have some fun? Here we go, here we go. Counterfeit, counterfeit. We're in week number five. I think we got five more weeks or so to go. I'm really excited. What is a counterfeit? I know we know the word, but sometimes we got to take a look at the definition just to kind of get things right. We know what it is, but do you? And so here's what a counterfeit is. A counterfeit is when someone makes an imitation or copy with the intent, makes an imitation or copy of something with the intent to defraud or deceive. I love that phrase, with the intent. That means that it is not an accident, it is an intentional action that is taken. You don't just accidentally make a fake dollar bill. No, you've observed all of the dollar bill. You copy all of its aspects and parts, and you put it on a piece of paper that hopefully feels and looks like a dollar bill, so that way you can get some free food. Being serious, those food prices went way up. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> See, we're getting rowdy in here. Ain't getting no extra quack. That's right. We're not getting extra quack here. Uh-uh. You'll be all right, Kiki. No quack for you. <laughs> That's awesome. To make an imitation with the intent to defraud or deceive. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's an intent, an action that is taken by the enemy. And there are many counterfeits, and you and I, unfortunately, we think that the church is impervious. We think that the church doesn't buy into it, but I'm here to tell you today that I buy into many of them. I buy into many of them. We do. We do. Where does it come from? Well, Jesus gives us insight. John chapter 4, I'm sorry, John chapter 8. Oh my gosh, Nick, get the word right. Here we go. John chapter 8. Jesus is speaking about who the enemy is, Satan, the devil. He's given us some clarity on who the enemy is. He was a murderer from the very beginning. He does not, did he murder in the beginning? Yeah, he brought about death. Yes, he did. Might not be in the physical way, but he brought about death. Here we go. So, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. I cannot tell you enough that anything outside of the kingdom of God has no truth in it. It is not foundationally built on truth. There's no philosophy. There's no doctrine. There's no smart idea. There's no eloquent words that could be great enough that could have any truth unless it's founded in the word of God first. And there are things that are going to be dangerously close. But if it's not founded in the Word of God and it doesn't come from Him, there is no truth in it. This is a big series. This is very important. I don't think we understand how, how big of a deal this is. Because I wrestle with stuff on the inside of me. I think that this series has been, uh, to be honest, I've been looking at church and I've been just surveying how we're responding to all of this. And this, this series has been stirring some things up. Because you've been thinking that you've been walking in love for a very long time. And you realize, oh, that's not it anymore. You thought you were really happy and full of joy. But no, you're just complaining a lot. I mean, it's serious. Sometimes it stirs it up. You thought that your life was full of peace. But it's not just the quiet moments. There's so much more to peace than that. And so this series has really been stirring everything up for all of us. If it's not found in the Word of God, it's not founded in truth. And we need to address it. Look, he speaks lies. And when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature, his native tongue. He is a liar and the father of lies. Yes, with the intent to deceive. He's the counterfeit king. Amen, church? Yes, he is. I want nothing to do with that kingdom. The enemy is the counterfeit king, and his ways are not the ways of truth. 
His ways are not the ways of truth. They're going to sound very close. They're going to have the intent to defraud and deceive. But they're not truthful. But Nick, that happens out there. No. It invades this place as much as it possibly can. It, he wants to. doesn't, oh, he doesn't have just a plan for people outside of these doors. He's got a plan for people inside these doors too. And he wants you to bite so hard. He wants you to go for it. And he knows the moment that you buy into the counterfeit, oh, he's got you. He's going to take you for a ride. So we got to be alert. Amen, church? Look at what Paul says to the Corinthian church. To the church, not to people out there. To the church, to the use of means. Hey, do we got any believers in the house? Hey, all right, all righty. Yeah. Here we go. Y'all rowdy. He's talking to you and to me in this part. He's not talking out there. I'm afraid that even as the serpent beguiled, twisted up Eve and, and manipulated and lied to her by his cunning, that your minds may be corrupted and led away. How can they be led away if they weren't there in the first place? There's a lot of theological arguments. Could you ever, yeah, look, you might be able to turn away. <laughs> you may be led away from the simplicity of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Simply that you may be led away from faith. That is scary. That is scary. And we want, like when we read this on a page, don't go to the next part yet. When we read this on a page, we want nothing to do with it. But Paul gives us insight and says this, for you seem willing to allow it. So in that last part, if we stop there, we're like, no, don't do that. But then he addresses the truth, which is you and I, for some reason, the church seems willing to allow someone to come and preach another Jesus whom we have not preached. I heard, I watched a video uh, earlier this week about a man who claimed that Jesus was racist. What? Bro, what? It's like, it's not even pertinent to this. It doesn't even make sense. We allow people to preach another Jesus whom we've not preached or receive a different spirit. Y'all know we've talked about that quite a lot here. That the demonic and the spiritual is active and it wants to go after you, but we'll receive these things. Mm. Or a, dis a, a different gospel from the one that you've accepted. A different good news that isn't plain and simple like Jesus coming, dying, and rising again for the forgiveness of your sins forever and ever. Let's not make it more complicated than it really is. And then it says this word. You tolerate all this beautifully. Welcoming deception. Welcoming the counterfeit. He's writing to us. And that's got to end. Amen, church? And so long as... God has assigned me to be the leader of this house. I want to fight against the counterfeits. I need to protect, make you guys aware. So, 
Why does the enemy do this? Why does he build these counterfeits? Why does he want to deceive? Is he just evil? Does he just like doing bad things? Yeah, he is evil and he just likes doing bad things. I think that's of his nature. But what is the ultimate goal that he has? And there's this portion in 2 Timothy that is just so simple. You could graze by it really quick and miss these simple lines. But Paul is writing to Timothy and he says he's praying for people in the faith. If God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will so let me tell you why this counterfeit stuff is important and why he's doing it because if you buy the counterfeit you're going to be held captive and you're going to end up doing stuff that's not of our heavenly kingdom and if you're doing stuff that's not of our heavenly kingdom what kingdom is it from bummer and so that's why he does it because he has a plan just as much as God has an incredible plan for your life the enemy would love for you to follow a plan and if he can ensnare you and hold you captive to do his will oh he rejoices over that wickedness and so the question that you and I from the very, very beginning of this message, and I want to encourage you to have an open heart. We were praying, it was just on my heart to pray for that before we even got started, to have an open heart. These, this series has been challenging, and I want to encourage you to really take a, a self-evaluation of who you are and say, where did I get this from? Where did I get this idea? Big question. Who taught you what you believe? Who taught you what you think? Where did you get that? Was it mom and dad? Oh, your version of love is, is self-glorifying and selfish because your dad lived that out? Well, who taught you that? And if that is the truth, then that needs to change because there's so much more for you. Oh, who taught you that joy only comes through great money and promotion? Who taught you that? That needs to change. And so tonight we're talking about patience. Someone say patience. Yay! We love this topic. Mm -hmm. Who taught you what you believe around patience? I, um, I, I can't wait for this, this message. I think that this one has been uh, transformative for me, okay? So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you've been in the faith for a couple years, 30 years, three minutes. This, this is an important question. And in the Psalms it says this. Go ahead. Psalm 25. Make me know your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Someone read it with me. Lead me in your truth. Not my truth. Not some government's truth. Not some awesome person ideas of truth on Instagram. No. This truth right here. That's it. Amen, church. Lead me in your truth above everything else. Teach me what you got. For you're the God of my salvation. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So I don't know where you're at, but I believe that God, if you say these things from the depths of who you are, I believe he's going to show you some truth tonight, and he's going to transform the way that you walk. Amen, church? God wants to teach us the truth so that we may walk in it. Why would we want to walk in truth? Because I'll tell you what. Find someone who's walking in lies or in deceptions, bought into counterfeits, and they are miserable, and the fruit of the kingdom is not there. But someone who's walking in the truth, as hard as it may be, oh, their life is filled with heavenly fruit. Anyone want that? I want real love. I want real joy. I want real peace. I want real kindness. I want the real thing. I want the true thing. Well, if you want it, you got to start walking in it. If you want it, you got to start walking in it. It's hard to find the, that fruit, that product of faith. 
if you're not walking in the truth. So when he, the Holy Spirit, another title, go ahead, you can put this up here. When he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of what, church? Truth. The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. I love this because this word, it is perfect and sufficient. Someone say sufficient. Meaning that it covers everything you need in life. Meaning that it answers everything for you. Meaning that you can find everything that you need from these pages right here. From nothing else, you need nothing else other than this thing right here. Job says, I, I value your word more than my daily bread. It has everything that you need right here in these pages. You know what it doesn't tell you though? It doesn't tell you who the next president is going to be. Well, how do we handle the nuanced conversations, the nuanced directions in life? I believe that if you read this word and you walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit, the nuanced conversations, the decisions that you need to make, he's going to lead you in the way of truth. Amen, church? I want that. You're going to need to walk with the Holy Spirit through every season. Walking with him, reading the word, what's going to be really important for this series is that you take off the rose-colored glasses. We've been saying this from the very beginning. What I want all of us to gather at the end of this series is that it is not our worldview, the rose-colored lenses, the way that we view the world, the way that I've been taught to see things. Our worldview is not what shapes this Bible. It is the Bible. It's the Word that shapes what goes on in me and what comes out of me. Amen, church? It's the Bible that shapes our worldview. And so, again, God's going to do some digging up He's going to do some changing of old ways. That's okay. Let him. Let him do it. It might be uncomfortable. It might be challenging. I say this after every week, especially in this series. Come talk with me if you have questions. Because this is hard when it involves change. But it's our worldview that needs to be shaped by the Bible, not the other way around. And so now for the upcoming weeks, we're going to be talking about the true fruits of the Spirit, what it really looks like in your life and in mine. We talked about love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We talked about joy. We talked about peace. And today we're talking about patience. we got kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's a fun one. Coming up. You laugh now, but you'll cry later. <laughs> Anyways, so let's, let's, let's give some insight into counterfeit patience. Can I tell you that counterfeit patience tries to convince believers to compromise their calling? Counterfeit patience is going to try to convince you to compromise on your calling. What it is, the assignment that God has for you to do, the dreams that he's put in your heart, the direction that he wants you to go. Counterfeit patience is going to try to convince you to forego all of the process and forfeit the promise. If you forfeit the process, you will forfeit the promise. So counterfeit patience tries to convince you and me to compromise our calling. I, uh, I was prepping this week and uh, really thinking about it because uh, are there any non-patient people in the room? Yeah, thank you, thank you. I am like king non-patient. Let's bust through this door real quick. Let's go. Why pressure Dave? Let's go. When you have kids, they force you to be patient. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
<laughs> Fend for yourself. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I have found extreme counterfeits of patience that many of us unknowingly fall into. You can put this up here, please. I have found counterfeits of patience that you and I unknowingly fall into. And I believe it comes into two categories. And so there's going to be many ranges of what this looks like. There's going to be many various directions that counterfeit uh, patience is going to look like. But I believe if you go all the way down to the root, it's going to basically come into these two categories. Now there's going to be some of you who are arguing and be like, I know that there's four. Okay, buddy, great job. Here's the mic. Go ahead, you do this. <laughs> but I believe it, I believe that broad stroke, it could come down to two categories. Y'all ready, church? I believe that there are counterfeits to peace that are centered around control. I believe that there are counterfeits of peace or peace, patience that are centered around control. These people are the ambitious ones, the ones who want to go at it 100% and don't want to wait for the yes. When, <laughs> Lisa, call her right out. You better, you swing back. I'll swing right back. Here we go. Counterfeits that come from control. In other words, I want what I want and I want it now. I have a dream of my heart and I am going to make it happen. I have a vision, and I'm going to see it all the way through. God's timing, who cares? Let's go. God's not coming through quick enough. Let's make the move. Our money's not coming through, so I need to take this right now. I need to make this jump. And so there are some people who, again, maybe it comes from desire, ambition, and dream, but I think it all comes from I want to control my time, and I want to control the outcome. And I'm going to manhandle it. I'm going to take it by the horns and go right now and make this happen. That's the camp that I fall into. I struggle with this. Do you know what these people will say? I said this earlier and I'll say it again. These people will say, God told me. But know inward that he didn't. These people, what? These, no, this is good. Yeah. These people, these people, these people will say, God told me to open up this business. I got to go. That's, that might just be what you want to do. They'll lie and use it under the guise of God's direction when really it was selfish in motive. You forego the process and you go 100% in. Almost like you take an educated guess. I feel 55% good about it. Let's roll. I was, uh, I came back from Hillsong. <laughs> A young 19-year-old. And uh, I saw this girl in church. And uh, I said, huh, I said, God told me I'm going to marry you. Oh. Because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And it was not her fault. I accept leadership of, of the direction of that relationship. But it ended up turning out to be a really dysfunctional relationship. 
because I forced the issue. She was in a relationship, dropped it, got messy, never really good timing, back and forth, back and forth. It ended up being toilsome because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And then I used God told me to justify a behavior that actually didn't align with the word. How do you think that's going to feel? Not good. Not a lot of people saying it. Mm -hmm. And then what ended up happening is because I said God told me, pride kicked in the minute I realized it wasn't it. And the minute other people said, oh, Nick, it's not working. Pride kicked in, and I got to follow this to the very end because God's not wrong, and I'm not going to show him as wrong. And so I'm going to go to the very bitter end of this, and it got ugly. Me. Because I wasn't patient. God's a redeemer, and I, oh, Emmy, I love you, babe. But I've done the God told me thing out of manipulation to further the progress of my patience or my timing. You see, the world wants what we want, and we want it now. Click on Amazon, get your package tomorrow. You can actually pre-order your Starbucks, so that way the minute you pull in the parking lot, you get it in four seconds, as if you can't wait for 42 seconds. We want what we want, and we want it now. That's a pattern of the world. And the word says to stand directly against that. It says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. And here's, here's what I'm getting at. If you want what you want, and you want it right now, and you're one of those people who are centered on control, again, there's going to be two camps here, then I'm going to tell you that you got to change your mind and not think in that type of way. And God can change your mind. The Holy Spirit can absolutely change your mind so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is. That's what's crazy. If I change my mind, if I give up the control, if I stop thinking that my plan trumps everything, if I stop leaning on my own wisdom, I start to see God's will. I want God's will. Doesn't anyone else want God's will? I want God's will because it's good, acceptable, and perfect. Except I convince myself that his will isn't perfect and I'll take it in my own hands where do you think it goes it ends up in failure every time so the counterfeit that I buy into comes from a place of control and I manipulate the word patience throw in some fudged numbers here so it looks like patience but it's not counterfeit I just want to control it and that shows that I have minimal trust in the perfect outcome that God has for me. Not fun. Not fun to say that. Second camp. Second camp. Some of y'all might be in this camp. There is a stem that these patients counterfeits that come from fear. There are some of us that have counterfeits of patience that come from fear. These are the people who don't ever move and live in a state of paralysis, but they say, be still and know. Oh, my gosh. They say, be still about everything. I just, I'm going to wait forever and ever. 
I, I didn't say it earlier and I forgot this point that I wanted to say. God knows that you need to have a conversation with that loved one about forgiveness or about an offense, but you're waiting for the perfect, I'm waiting for the perfect timing. No, you ain't. You're just scared to do it. Come on. Don't lie to me. Because I'm scared to do it too. I'm waiting for the right timing. Maybe God's already put on, what? When are you supposed to pray for someone? Always? But we're waiting for the right timing. No, you're scared. You're scared. When are we supposed to offer forgiveness and go and have, always, but we're scared. And so there are counterfeits that come from fear. I'm just being patient. I'm waiting on the Lord. I know that this business is coming up, but I'm waiting on the Lord for all the right moments. I know we want a child, but I'm waiting on the Lord for the, for the finances to be in the right spot. Come on. Your finances will always be robbed by your children, no matter what. They will take all of it. Whether you got millions or not. You're just afraid. You don't want to give up your life. I get it. There are counterfeits, patience. There are counterfeits to patience that stem from fear. Can we just be honest about it? And so I, I want to encourage you that if you do wrestle with fear and you fall in this camp, maybe you're the controlled camp, maybe you're in the fear camp, someone raised their hand and was like, I'm both this morning. I was like, good luck to you then. Here we go. Woo, double dose. Here we go. But if you're this person who, has, who wrestles with this counterfeit that stems from fear, I'm here to give you good news. Romans 8 says this. It says that we know that God causes all things to work together. Someone say for good. For good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So if he pours that vision, if he pours that dream, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you to go do something, but you're sitting on your hands, I'm here to tell you that that fear is irrational and God is going to do great things. It's going to come out for your good. You just got to take the step, my friend. And so we wrestle with patience, and they both come again from these two different camps. Hmm. Whether you come from the camp of control and you don't trust God, this is what I said on the podcast earlier uh, with Chris. I said, uh, both of these camps have trust issues. Both of these camps have trust issues. You either don't trust that God's end is going to be, or his timing is going to be right, or you don't trust that it's going to be good, and so you live in fear. They both come from a place of distrust. And so with whatever counterfeit you face, whatever you feel that you have stepped into here and there, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit in you and me, go ahead, put this up here. The Holy Spirit in you and in me will produce a patience that is heavenly and true. The world has an affinity, a draw, a desire towards control and fear. My goodness, do they glorify fear. It's everywhere. Watch the media for four seconds. They're just fear-mongering every, every time they speak. In control, have it your way. What is that? Subway? It's the motto? Burger King, have it your way. <laughs> we want to control everything and have it our way. These are both patterns of the world, church. Do you all not see that? It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. Galatians 5 says it again. He's going to produce in us. 
the Spirit of God. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Y'all know the list. Now to those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh. You got to put that fear to death. It does not come from the kingdom of God. That is a spirit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is a spirit that does not come from the kingdom of God. It says, for I have not given you a spirit of fear. So that is a spirit that does not come from the kingdom of God. If that is you, you stand against that right now tonight and say, I got a great thing and a good work to go do and I'm going to go do it. You got to crucify that part. Now, for you who wants to control your destiny and take matters in your own hands, I'm here to tell you that you got to crucify that control too. Get rid of that. God's plan and his ways and what he knows are way higher than you will ever be able to comprehend. Give it up, my friends, and watch it turn out for your good every time. Every time. So we got to crucify that part of us. The control, the fear, get rid of it in Jesus' name. Amen, church? So why are there so many counterfeits then? Why are these two camps, why do they exist? Why can't we get patience right? That's what I wanted to say. Why can't we get this right? Can I tell you what spoke to my heart this week? This Ephesians verse says it like this. I know, can you go back to it? I see some people taking notes. Why are there so many counterfeits that promise peace? Or patience, I'm sorry. Why are there so many counterfeits that promise patience? Ephesians 2 says it like this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what church? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that you and I should walk in them. Can I tell you that the enemy knows that you have much to do? And so he sees that as an opportunity to just devour the works and fester on it. The enemy creates so many counterfeits because there's much you and I are called to do. Oh, you got to accomplish much in your life? Good. Well, let's stir up the patience pot. Oh, you got a lot to do in your life? Well, you'll never accomplish them. Look at you sitting in fear. Give up. But call it patient so that way you don't get embarrassed in front of your brothers and sisters. Oh, you have much to do? Well, good luck doing it in the time that you don't have. Raising your children, doing work X, Y, and Z. You'll never establish that business, so you go and take it into your own hands. The enemy knows that you have much to do, so that's why he produces these counterfeits. So then let's go into it. Who's got their Bible tonight? Who's got their Bible tonight? Go ahead and get ready. Acts chapter 1. We're going into Acts chapter 1, my friends. What is real patience? What is real patience? That's the question that we're going to answer. And I want to show you an account of disciples who were told, and this word, oh, for those people, where are my control people at? Where are my control people at? This word, wait, comes up. That's a four-letter word that will never come out of Nick Millet. No, I'm just teasing. We got to learn it. I have to learn it. I have to learn this word wait. Someone say wait. I have to learn it. I have to learn it. I'm telling you, I'm not preaching at you tonight. I am, I am going. This week was a refreshing research week for me. Let's begin with this statement. The disciples. I want to paint the picture here. The 12 guys. These are all people who had preached 
They had gone out and spoken the word of God. They've been taught by Jesus to, what to say and how to say it and how to go to each town, spreading the good news to many people. They had already preached. Then they actually went and healed. Imagine that. They would lay hands on people and the sick would become well, whether it was big or small. They saw Jesus do it too. This dude was lying paralyzed on a mat and all of a sudden he's standing up. Let's go. I don't know about you, but when I see these things, I'm like hyped up to level 12. That's why it's going to get rowdy in here. That's what I'm saying. Then they started casting out demons. And they came back to Jesus and said, can you believe it? We did it. And Jesus said, hey, don't rejoice in the power, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life, my friend. Calm down. Don't get too hasty here. But they were casting out demons. Could you imagine that? Incredible, incredible walking with the Holy Spirit. Then they just walked with Christ. Imagine spending hour after hour, day after day, just taking in all of this heavenly wisdom and information and inspiration and direction. Oh my goodness, it would be so overwhelming. This was the disciples' life. And then not only that, but the cherry on top, this dude walks out the grave? Now, if that was my story, I'd be like, I can conquer anything. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. Let's go to the ends of the earth right now and conquer everything. And in the beginning of this story in Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus tell them to wait. I've done X, Y, and Z things. Let me talk to you about a preacher. Can I, can I share some like inward things? It's hard as a preacher to not preach. I tell Judd, Judd actually made fun of me. Uh, it actually gives me more anxiety when I don't do this. It's harder for me. That's, that's, I'm one small speck in the world. Imagine how they felt. They'd walked with him. They'd done X, Y, and Z things. You're telling me to wait now? What? Hmm. Seems counterintuitive but we're going to witness heavenly patience and the fruit of it. Amen, church? You already jump in. Acts chapter 1, this is verse 3 and 4. We can go ahead and begin here. Uh, and, and this is the very beginning. Jesus, at this point, died and rose again. Amen? That's good news. Yes, he did. He rose again. Come on now. And, and then to these disciples, Jesus also presented himself alive after his suffering on the cross by many convincing proofs. There's actually accounts where he says, go ahead and touch this piercing here, buddy. Go ahead and look at everything on me. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. That's pretty crazy. Sometimes we think about Jesus and it's like he, he died and rose again and then just went to heaven. No, he hung out for a little bit. Then he dipped. Speaking of the things regarding the kingdom of God, gathering them together, this is, this is the hard part. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Someone say, but to wait, but to wait. Oh, what do you mean, bro? You just rose from the grave. We got to go tell everybody. You want me to wait? Really? But to wait for what the Father had promised. Someone say 40 days. Now, when we read this portion, this verse 3 through 4, and this happens all the time when we read the Word of God, we take it very quickly. 
Like it happens one day after the next day, after the next day, after the next day. And we don't realize the duration of time. And so imagine after Jesus had rose again, he starts talking with them. Believe me, they had many conversations. If Jesus rose again, I probably wouldn't even want to sleep. I'd be like, bro, you're preaching for the next 40 days, bro. I'll be up and I'll be taking notes. And so I want to just show you one conversation that they had. They're actually given a great call during their time with Jesus when he was here for 40 days after he had risen again. This is in Mark chapter 16, one of my favorite parts. Oh, I love this scripture. I love this scripture. Jesus, after he had rose from the grave, he says to them, go. Someone say go. Go into all the world and preach. Someone say preach. Preach the gospel to all creation. The one who has believed and has been baptized will be saved, but the one who has not believed will be condemned. These signs, go ahead, go ahead. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out. Someone say cast out. Cast out demons. They will speak. Someone say speak. Speak with new tongues. They will pick up. Someone say pick up. Pick up serpents and if they drink deadly poison it will not harm them. They will lay hands. Someone say lay hands. And they will recover. That's a lot of action verbs. One thing I had to learn this week is that wait is actually an action verb. Wait is an action verb. I've never realized that. I thought it was, uh, can I speak honestly, I thought it was a cowering move. I thought it's kind of wimpy. But in actuality, it's, it's a great strategic move commanded by our Savior. And so when I read this, this is one of their conversations over those 40 days. When I read this, I'm like, I'm ready to rip my shirt off and let's go on the street now, bro. Superman this up, let's go. We'll go preach, whatever you want to say. Let's do it. Hmm. So then imagine receiving this great this great promise. Imagine receiving these great instructions, these action verbs that are going to be happening in just a few moments. Imagine hearing these words, and then you're said, then you're told, now go wait in a room. What? You're telling me I'm going to go and do all of these great things in your name, not in my name, but we're going to do some pretty powerful things. Now I go sit in a box with four walls? I don't like that. I don't know if you're like me, but that doesn't sit well with me. I'm not patient, though. And again, with the bottom line that we talked about, counterfeit patience convinces us, or at least tries to convince us, to compromise our calling. And I'm here to tell you today that if the early church, if those disciples didn't wait and wait well, they might have compromised in the establishment of the early church. And you're sitting here today because they were patient. You're sitting here today because they did it right. That's powerful. So then we go back into the account. This is verse 5. Jesus said, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Someone say, not many days. Not many days from now. Do we have anybody who's watched The Chosen in this place? It's like the word soon. Terrible word. Can mean anything. Not many days? 
Not many days. What do you mean, not many days? What do you mean, not many days? Now, see, you have to understand that these were Jews before coming to believe in Jesus. And these guys had lived off of the prophecies from the prophets of old. They had been waiting for hundreds of years. So when you say not many days, what you talking about? Decades? Because one day in his life is a thousand years on earth and a thousand years is one day. What do you mean, bro? They were used to the prophets hundreds of years prior to this moment. I believe it was Malachi, 400 some years before Jesus even showed up. It was silent. Nothing. And so they're just used to waiting forever. So when I hear not many days, when they heard not many days, they were like, not again. Oh my gosh. Really? Not many days. And they saw it finally fulfilled through Christ. But hundreds of years, these people were patient. They knew it. So then they had come together. And while they were chilling out, they said, they began to ask him, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Is it at this time? Is it at this appropriate time? Are you doing it right now? Is it happening right now? I think you and I, we have a fixation on timing. We want to know the time. We want to know the days. This is why there's people. There's a whole part of the believers in the way, the truth, and the life that focus on one star in the sky. And they say, oh, Jesus is coming tomorrow. We're fixated on time. Apparently, some people can figure it out when Jesus himself says, I don't even know. But we're fixated on timing. We want to know how and when. Please let me know, sir. Can I tell you why I think we're fixated on timing? Because it's one of the few things in the world that you and I cannot control at all. At all. It's out of our hands. We need to know when, and that's where the counterfeits then sneak in. Oh, you want to figure out when, Nick? Good. Why don't you take it into your own hands and figure it out? Oh, you want to know when, friend? Well, why don't you just get plagued by this fear and just wait forever? Hopefully God will do it. Sit on your hands. Do nothing. We're fixated on timing. We don't want to get it wrong or we want to make it our own way. And we get tripped up. So then Acts chapter 4, it continues on, or chapter 1, it continues on. He said to them, it's not for you to know the periods of time or the appointed times. Church, you will save yourself. Oh, my goodness, you will save yourself so much heartache if you don't worry about the appointed times. If you just listen to when, you will step into it beautifully. Not many days, my friends. Someone say not many days. What's that dream in your life? What is that assignment that's on your heart? Tell yourself not many days. Not many days. Not many days. That could be three. That could be three years be 30 years. Not many days, my friend. Have that mentality. I don't know why that's making me emotional. Not many days. It's okay. It's okay to be patient. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth from the east to the west you will be the witnesses you will receive power yes you will you will receive power but until that moment you have to wait can I tell you something church I believe that 
believers rob themselves of the power that they can walk in because they don't wait for the moment. I've experienced it over and over again. There's the promise for the disciples. Here's the question that you have to consider. And, and now I want to talk to uh, kind of how we handle patience. There is a promise, something for you to do, a great work that you're called to do. Now, until that moment, not many days, someone say not many days. Until that moment, what are you going to do? Some of us sit here and say, if it doesn't come quick enough, I'm going to make my own way. Some of us then sit here and say, that sounds like a lot to do, and I'm going to sit here forever and do nothing. I want to show you, I want to show you that the apostles, they were active in their waiting. We call it waiting well. Wait well. The apostles returned to Jerusalem. Go ahead. So they listened to Jesus. Yay, good job, good job, good job. You did it. Good job. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives on a Sabbath day day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They went upstairs. Now, what did they do? Did they devise and scheme a way out of the room? No. Did they just sit on their hands and breathe air forever? No. They got to spiritual work. Look at what it says. Then Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, James, uh, Simon, and Judas. They all joined together and they continued on in what Jesus taught them to do. They didn't sit on their hands. They didn't just breathe air. They didn't forge a way out of this room. They did what Jesus had taught them to do over and over again. Some of us, when we hear the, the wait thing, we devise schemes to get out or we just check out. I'm here to tell you today that you, if you're truly patient in a heavenly way, you will wait well. There is something for you to do even in the waiting. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were waiting well. They were praying. They didn't give up. Oh my gosh, not many days. Let's just give up here. They didn't give up. They didn't change their behavior. They didn't panic. They waited well. They continued on. They pressed on in what Jesus had instructed them to do. They were edifying one another, praying for one another, serving one another, just like he's taught them the whole time. They didn't stop just because he said wait. They did what he had them to do in those waiting seasons. Someone say wait well. Wait well, church. Wait well. That's all. There's going to be great things for, your call, for what you're called to do. There's going to be great assignments ahead of you. Now wait well. Wait well. Wait well. Emily and I had the privilege of, of leading a, a youth group many years ago. I'm now old. Um, I disagree. <laughs> and uh, I, I knew one day, uh, God had put a, a, a vision and dream on my heart to build church. I didn't know the full picture, but I knew it was going to happen. And Emily and I waited well in that season. We led well. And that was even an assignment for us at that time. And now we're here. God always knows exactly when to get us to that place. Perfect timing. We just continue on in what we're instructed to do. We'll keep on pressing on no matter what comes our way. So then the day of Pentecost, the day, 
The day came, Acts chapter 2, the day finally came. They were all together in one place, waiting well. And then suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire started appearing to them, distributing themselves. And a tongue rested on each person. And they were filled, just like Jesus had promised. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. And now there were Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven and you start to see this group this room of disciples go and actually walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because they waited patiently and they waited well they didn't forge their way through they didn't sit on their hands oh now's the time we're full of power let's go into that step and they went and walked outside and they started preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. And it produced heavenly fruit, church. They were patient. They were patient in a heavenly way. And now, now at this moment, they're ready for the powerful step of establishing the early church. If you are not patient or if you operate in the fear or the control, you are not going to step with power into what God has called you to do. But they did it the right way. And then their words started changing everything. He gets up and he starts preaching. Peter gets up and starts preaching about the good news of Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. They did it right. They waited well. They were patient in a heavenly way. And then they stepped into the healing, the preaching, the casting out of demons, the telling people about the risen grave. They, they started then, at that point, after they were patient, stepping in with full power. Amen, church? That's what I want for each and every one of you. Look at the fruit at the end of this portion, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And with many other words, he solemnly testified, Peter said, and kept on urging them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word, they were baptized in the water they were baptized and that day there were about 3,000 souls added you see the fruit of patience not many days not many days not many days church what would happen what would have happened if they bought into the counterfeit what would have happened if they bought into the counterfeit would they have compromised the establishment of the early church? I'm here to tell you that God's going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He will trump our ways all the time. If he has a plan, he will fulfill the plan. But my goodness, I don't want to compromise the calling on my life because I'm impatient or I'm buying into a counterfeit. I'm trying to control or I'm walking out in fear. That's not it. That's not it. I want to live a life worthy of the calling I've received. Amen, church. I want to do it. That's going to come through some patience. Not many days. Amen, church. So let's talk about patience. We've been, we've been going through this a little bit. I always love towards the end of these that we're, we go over what patience is not, what peace is not, what love is not, what joy is not. So let's go over what patience is not, church. Patience you might believe this, but patience is not sitting still forever. Patience is not sitting still forever. I love the wait well statement. Wait well. Some of us, we receive that dream. Some of us, we get that uh, inspiration or God shows us something that's ahead. And we sit there and do nothing. And then we just expect the, the amazing business to be formed out of nowhere. No. 
God's not going to just miraculously do X, Y, and Z building and blah, 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 and it has your name up there before you even create a name for it. You have to put some work in. You do have to move. You have to wait well. You have to serve. You have to lead your season well. You can still be patient while moving. Patience is not just sitting on your hands forever and ever. So then let's bring up the scripture, be still. Oh my gosh. Christian adrenaline, done. Everyone loves this, be still, be still. I'm just being still, I'm just being still, I'm just being still. Let's get the context right. This scripture, be still, that we love to put everywhere in our house, it actually is not about your calling and what you're to do. It's about God handling your battles for you. About God fighting for you. That he's your champion. He's handling everything. If only you would be still and know that wars will cease by his words. So relax. Relax. So we use this in regards to call. I'm just going to be still and wait for the perfect timing. Man, you're not even quoting it right. So be still and know in the battle that God is going to do God's thing. Yeah, he's going to bring walls down. He's going to take care of the enemy. Yeah, do it. We lift up praise and worship even in the being still. But this is not in regards to your calling. Let me tell you and let me show you again another psalm that might have some, some, um, might have some insight for you and for me in regards to how we are to go through each season. Even though I sit on my hands through the valley of death, no, even though I just sit there forever and ever and just hope great things happen. No. Even though I walk through the darkest moment of my life, I won't fear it. So sitting still, patience is not just sitting still forever. You got to go through the valley, church. You got to walk through it. Don't just sit there and check out. I'm just going to be patient. Ha, ha, ha. Look at my patience, buddy. Let me post about it on Instagram. Brag about it. No, that's not patience. You're just completely compromising your calling by just sitting on your hands forever. You have great things to do, my friend. Now get up and walk through that valley. I know you're scared right now, but be with them, and there will be no, you don't you ain't got to be afraid of it. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is not even though I sit on my hands through the valley. No, no, no. I have to walk through it. Church, you got to walk through it. You can still be patient and walking through it. Let's talk about the Israelites for a second. 40 years in the desert, they were still walking through it. The promised land is on the other side, but they still had to walk through it. Amen, church? You gotta walk through it. So get up and do it, amen? Be obedient, follow his word, do what he's instructing you to do. Walk through the shadow of the valley of death. Go for it. Valley of the shadow of death. Get your scripture right, Nick. You gotta walk. It's almost like get up and walk. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. Patience is not just sitting still forever. Patience is not giving up on your assignment. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me talk about it. Just so you know, the assignment is gonna be really, really tough. It's gonna be really hard. Things that God puts in your hands, goals, destinations, assignments that He has for you to do, whatever word you want to put there for, for taking the next step, it is going to be really hard. And some of us, when difficulty hits us in the face, we quit and say, Oh, God wasn't in it. Nope. And so I'm just going to give up on this. Clearly, this was not the direction. My friend, I'm here to tell you that this is going to be hard. 
this is going to be really hard. Oh my goodness, I cannot tell you how many times I have wanted to give up in ministry. We took over, going back to youth again, there was a hard situation in church. Guess how many students we started with? One. I cannot tell you how many nights of setting up, putting out M&Ms and pretzels that I wanted to give up. And could have said, oh, it's just not the right timing. No. It was the timing. God called us to it. We're going to go through it. We're going to walk. I'm not going to give up. And that one turned into 100. And I would go through every trial of that season for each and every one of those kids. Over and over again, it was worth every ounce of energy. All of the times I wanted to quit because it just wasn't moving the way that we saw it. These kids were just, I mean, they're high schoolers. They're crazy. But just because it's hard doesn't mean you give up and chalk it up to, well, God wants me to be patient. No, sometimes you gotta, you got to push. you got to walk with him through the difficulty. <laughs> I remember this kid, I went to pick him up, and uh, he got into the back of my car. There was no one else in the car. He got into the back of my car like I was an Uber. I said, bro, I'm the pastor of the church, bro. What are you doing? I'm a youth pastor guy. Get up front. He just sat in the back, no words. I was like, bro, what music you like? He was like, Drake. I was like, cool, turn it on. We'll just ride to the church then. Four months later, he gets baptized. It was worth every ounce of energy. It's not giving up. Just because it gets hard. Don't chalk up the patience word and say, oh, I gotta be patient. Clearly not working. No, you're gonna have to push through some hard things. If you're gonna follow God, you're gonna go through some hard things. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as taking hold of it yet. Perfection, the crown of life. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Someone say press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. you got to push through. This is a man talking from experience. A man who's been stoned. A man who's been beat. A man who's been put in and out and in and out of jail. A man who's been on boats that have fallen apart. This is a guy who has literally been through hell and back and he says you push forward you go for it yes it gets hard don't try patience I just gotta quit no you might be called to do this great and mighty work and it is really difficult go through it Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord of Jesus, go ahead, put this up here. A prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner, walk in a manner, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've received. That's what you got to do. You got to go through it. You got to walk through it. Amen, church. I know it's going to get real tough. I know it's going to be really complicated. I know the assignment that you're going to have, it's different than mine, and it has its own unique complications. But walk through it. Don't give up and chalk it up to, I just need to be paid. No, sometimes you're just going to go through really, really hard things. So don't give up. Not many days, not many days. Lastly is this, and this one speaks to me directly. I sometimes buy into the lie that if I'm patient, my dreams are destroyed. Patience is not the death of heavenly plans. I hear that word patience, and I think everything that I worked for, everything that I do is just going to come to ruin. That is a lie. I think everything that I'm pressing for is going to fall apart. No, that is a lie. 
I, I have believed this one personally, church, that if I, if I declare patience, then I'm killing the dreams that I ain't got enough time. I got to go and chase all these things. You should hear the 10-year plan. We got things to do. Patience is not the death of your plans, the, the heavenly plans that God has for you. Just wait and wait well. Then you'll step into it with power. Patience is not the death of heavenly plans. So then there's this scripture. Everyone knows it's Jeremiah 29, 11. Mom's got it above that doorway into the kitchen. I see. We have it in the kitchen in the back. That's right. Some of y'all got the tattoo. Nice lettering. Jeremiah 29, 11. We read this part for I know the plans I have for you. Plans for goodness, right? For hope and a future. But hey, wait. Look one verse earlier, my friends, before you preach this message. Jeremiah 29.10 says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed under Babylonian oppression, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a hope and a future. He knows the plans, but just so you know, if you got to wait and be patient, it's not the death of the destination. You just got to be patient. Patience is not the death of, of the heavenly plan, my friend. He will always come through. I got to tell myself that. He will always come through. Did you learn something tonight, church? Patience. If we do it the right way, we're going to step into our assignment with great power. If we buy into the counterfeits, we're going to compromise the calling. I don't want that for any one of my family here tonight. So can we learn patience together? I need it too. I need to do it too. Can I pray for you all real quick? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you, God, that you modeled patience for us in the first place. It says in your word that you're patient, not as we understand patience, but you are patient so that all, that all may come to know you. You are the, the example of patience. And so, God, I pray that we would take your lead and walk with patience in every day, knowing that it's going to produce heavenly fruits and good things, great outcomes. God, may we know what it is to walk out patience like you did. And for those in the control camp. God, I break that chain of control over each and every person who wants to take their plan in their own hands, who wants to go and forge ahead not knowing what's going on. God, I pray that we would bring and submit all of our plans, all of our ways to you and allow you to have the final call as to when we step into the unknown places. And for those of us in the fear camp, I stand against that spirit of fear and right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that fear can no longer captivate your mind, your body, your soul, that you're going to stand up tomorrow and you're going to step, take one step into what God has for you. You're not going to uh, allow yourself to be paralyzed by a fear any longer. We're going to navigate patience in a heavenly and true way. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. 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 Lift up a shout of praise for a good God. So good, so good.